Blackhawks fans, welcome into the Four Feathers podcast. It's season five, episode 11, staggered Blackhawks schedule and results. Johnny Nani here alongside my guy, Tony Marchese. How you doing this Monday, my friend? Johnny, it's a, it's a Monday. I just got off the golf course. It's beautiful here in Chicagoland. What is it? Still almost 60 degrees outside right now. Doesn't feel like a, like a, a hockey season type episode. It almost feels like we're hopping on to talk about some, some White Sox games at this <laughs> point. Uh, but it's great to be here. We got a lot to talk about. We got to enjoy a game at the UC uh, over this past weekend, the better of the two. Um, so can't wait to uh, have a few beers and discuss some Blackhawks hockey with you. How are you doing? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing good. Um, like you said, it was fun being out at the UC uh, this weekend. We were there for Saturday night, and we'll get into the game itself, the experience of being there. Uh, you're rocking some nice new gear uh, that was picked up at the Madhouse store there. So uh, we'll, we'll dive into all of that, our experience there. And then uh, Sunday, unfortunately, a loss there uh, that led to a players-only meeting. So that's going to be a big topic on the docket here today. Uh, but before we get into any of that, uh, make sure you go and subscribe on Tap Sports Net on YouTube. That's where you can jump in the comments like so. Uh, we can drop your guys comments right here right underneath me uh feature and appreciate kirk and skokes in here per usual uh but that's on tap sports on youtube or on facebook uh twitter x people we can't see your comments so go over to facebook and youtube and drop them in there and as always check out on tapsportsnet.com for all your chicago sports literature and podcasting needs tony let's get this thing kicked off and talk about saturday we were out at the uc uh most of the four feathers crew uh and the group surrounding us but uh no run unfortunately but i got to take his tickets and got taken a game and we got taken a win uh fun times on saturday night at the uc Absolutely. And uh, first win of the season, I, I think, uh, for all of us. I mean, it was the first win at home. So um, I enjoyed myself. I, I know you did as well. It was uh, an electric atmosphere, man. It really was. It, uh, just the way that game started off with a couple of quick goals from the from the Blackhawks. And obviously it, it culminated in the second period with what everybody uh, would have loved to see. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the place was hopping. I thought the anthem had a lot of energy to it. Um, just we don't get these Saturday night home games very often. I know this year's schedule kind of lent itself a little bit uh, more towards uh, a couple of those. But it's been a long time, Johnny, since I think I've been at the UC on a Saturday night enjoying a win like that. That was right just incredible to be part of the atmosphere was great man yeah uh, they i think they had like two saturday night home games all of last year and i made a point to get out to both of them so i was there for those last year and they were fun then and i'm glad that they have more of them now good on the blackhawks over the off season for basically just contacting the nhl and letting them know that we want more of these saturday night home games and uh they, they delivered because i think i want to say they said the uc sat uh dormant for 11 Saturday nights during like the winter months last year. Um, obviously there's other things that come through concerts and what have you. There's other shows um, that are there as well, but between bulls and Hawks there, you would think that there would be 11 open dates, but there was. So I'm glad that they got that fixed because Saturday night, great time for it. Um, obviously we all enjoyed plenty, a couple, two tree beverages and uh, obviously a Blackhawks win. So as you said, uh, with the goals, one of those goal scorers is Taylor Hall who was hashtag back in the lineup, back from IR, uh, that shoulder injury. Uh, hey, scoring in both games this weekend. What, what did you see from Taylor Hall? Hey, I, I really loved him coming back up uh, off the injured list and just 
picking it up where he left off, Johnny. He is an offensive weapon. I think that's the appropriate term uh, to use for Taylor Hall in this Blackhawks lineup. I, you can't really ask for more. I mean, a goal in both games, you already said that. But, um, you know, I was a little surprised. I don't know about you. I was a little surprised at the lines when we were uh, heading into the UC on, on Saturday um, with Hall not getting the call back right up to the top line. So I think that that's going to come uh, eventually, Johnny. It looks like uh, CLR, as you've uh, coined him, uh, has a little line blender going. Uh, but, you know, if you're getting second, third line scoring from Taylor Hall and this Blackhawks team, you can't really ask for for much more than that. Um, played an effective game, I think, in both uh, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, obviously shows up on the score sheet. But other than that, I mean, just having him in the lineup is a night and day difference for the Chicago Blackhawks just with just his pure scoring ability. It, it changes sort of the dynamic of this offense. And I think he's just such an important piece. Um, you can obviously see uh, some of the games that we've had some scoring droughts um, without him in the lineup. And, uh, you know, he did what he had to do right and early uh, on Saturday night. So that was, that was a positive sign. It was good to see. Yeah, I'll go another way with that lineup. I'm actually, I, I like the easing back in. I like that you're still able to be effective in that role on a third line. And hey, uh, when you're playing with, it's a little bit of a different dynamic, maybe not as much skill. Uh, maybe it's a little bit more grunt work that, that's required. But when you're on that like third line there, a guy like Jason Dickinson, he's going to help you dig out some pucks, right? Uh, guys like that, that are further down in that lineup, you would expect a little bit more kind of, you know, oomph from. And whereas if you're with Bedard on the top, you're probably flying coast to coast, right? Um, um, so I, I like just the dynamic uh, ability of him in that role. So um, I would agree with you, though. I do think that that promotion back to the top is coming, uh, especially after if there's going to be shakeups after what uh, transpired after Sunday's game, which we'll get to in a little bit here. But hey, Taylor Hall back healthy. I'm glad for that uh, in and of itself, because he did admit then that he probably forced his way back a little bit too soon when he just missed the you know second game of the year. He got the hit that injured him, knocked him out missed one game and then came right back and did play a couple of games uh, before actually deciding to take the three games off to heal up. So um, the staggered schedule allows for that though. So even someone like Alex Vlasic came back on Sunday night uh, and played and Sunday was a little bit of a different story, but just finishing up Saturday, uh, three first period goals is electric. It gets the, the fans riled up and it just gets your team rolling in the right direction. And I understand that some of their play, you know, Inu Florida was going to, push to surge back in this game and they did get a couple on the board um, but the Blackhawks ultimately prevailed uh, 5-2 with this win and sure they, they got out shot 25-40 to 40, um, but Mrazic solid in net ma making 38 saves and you I don't want to you know you obviously always want to be attacking especially in this age of like analytics driven sort of you know approach to the game and speed and skill which the Blackhawks pretty much brought with their wave of like the 2010s dynasty, right? Uh, so I know you always want to push for that, but it just goes to show you what scoring early and often can do because, okay, yeah, Florida was able to kind of take over the game of sorts in terms of flow of possession later on, but they weren't able to erase the lead due to good goaltending and just the lead that the Blackhawks had built. So I, you know, just goes to show you scoring bunches. <laughs> Yeah, and and the Hawks set themselves up to do that. Now, let's not uh, shy away from the game that Peter Mrazek had either, Johnny. I mean, you sort of mentioned, uh, you know, 38 saves on 40 shots here. Uh, he has put up 
a, a fairly decent campaign uh, so far in the early going of the Blackhawks season. What are we, 11 games in now, Johnny? Um, I, I didn't think I would say this, but he is your number one goalie right now. Yep. It, he has just played above and beyond what I thought he was going to do so far this year. And he's he's faced a lot of shots in almost every single one of these matches. I don't know if this was the season high watermark at 40 for him, but uh, dude, I'm, I'm surprised. I'm legitimately surprised that uh, he has played as well as he has uh, so far. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about Sunday's game, but there's a lot of things that Arvid Soderblom has been, you know, tossing out there into the ether. That's making me a little bit nervous about, uh, you know, him, eventually taking over as the number one goalie. I know there's a lot of development stuff here. I'm not saying that Peter Mrazek is by any stretch of the imagination going to be a guy that keeps this up for an entire year. You've seen him have a couple of off days. But it seems to me, at least the early trend, is that Peter Mrazek, when he is on so far this season, he is just competing up there with you know, the, the better team. And... Uh, getting the Hawks wins. This was to me as much of a Peter Morazic win as, as it is a Blackhawks win, Johnny, because, right. you know, you, two or three of those get in, in, in the first period and, and the Panthers had their chances too. Um, two or three of those go in and you got a completely different game. So right. I, I was really impressed with his goaltending. I think a lot of this can be attributed to health for Peter Mrazek starting the year healthy and not having any groin flare ups yet. Um, I feel like we saw that fairly early uh, in his first go around with the Hawks uh, last year. And obviously it resulted in a little bit of a carousel, some instability in the goaltending room. So I, I do think that we, you know, we're going to talk about sort of Lim a little bit because he got the start in Sunday's game here in a little bit, but overall, you have to be pleased and I think um, surprised at how well the uh, Blackhawks goalie tandem uh, is playing so far. I mean, take out the stinker against Arizona, uh, which in which the whole team didn't play well. And unfortunately, Soderblom had to wear most of that. I know Mrazek relieved him in that one. Um, but outside of that, goaltending has not been a problem for this team. Now, back end defensively, sure. That's a problem that we're going to discuss here later on as we get to the second game here. But overall, goaltending wise, got to be pleased. All right. Last topic from Saturday's game Connor Bedard scoring. This one counted, Tony. You and I saw the one that was disallowed on the bullshit offsides on uh, the power play against Boston. But we come back to the UC on Saturday night and in the second period, gets himself on the break, uses that incredible shot uh, and lights the place up. Um, obviously, everybody excited to see the kid and yet put the Blackhawks up for nothing at the time. What a beautiful goal. And the celebration afterwards, too. I mean, is this kid not just electric? Just everything about him. Uh, you can't give him any sort of time and space. We'll say this probably hundreds, if not thousands of times uh, over the course of the next few years covering Connor Bedard on the Chicago Blackhawks. But, wow. I mean, the, the place was as loud, Johnny, in my opinion, as – some of the greatest accomplishments from Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, all through the cup era. It was just goosebumps, man. Like there's really no good way to put it. Um, the way he just skated up after, uh, you know, corralling that puck sort of in the release. It was so fluid, just so fluid. Uh, it It is incredible to watch. I, I don't know if, 
you know, everybody can get out to a Blackhawks game that listens to the show. I, I implore you to just to go see him uh, potentially have the opportunity uh, to score a goal like the one he did on Saturday. But that is why you're there. That is 100% why you're there. It's awesome when he delivers on it. Just absolute filth, Johnny. Absolute filth. I know you had the video edit uh, a couple of years ago, make it nasty, Patrick yeah. Kane. I don't know. I don't know if if that even feels as nasty to me anymore after watching a couple of games <laughs> with Connor Bedard out there. I'm not saying he is better than Patrick Kane right now. He's got a long career to go uh, make that happen and, and, and a lot of accolades to accumulate through his career. But, man, it, it's just different, dude. I, I don't know how to describe it just yet, but it, it is it is something to see. It's generational talent, and I don't think that the hype preseason was unwarranted, and you're seeing it play out here uh, in terms of streaks. I know the, the streak had come to an end with Sunday's game, but, man, you know, he'd uh, been scoring in basically every game, uh, and I like that he fancies himself as just a playmaker in general, meaning he's going to aim to make the best play possible, whether that may be a pass feed or if that is using his, you know, mobility and then no primary assist yet, though, does that? Does that sort of bother yeah. you at all? No, no, nah, because just his mere presence um, can lend itself to um, guys over committing to him. And then, OK, he moves the puck once another good pass from there. Sure, it's a secondary assist, but then it becomes, you know, well, when you go and look at the video of the play, how did that break down? OK, I think I, a perfect example is in the preseason. And we saw two Detroit defenders way over commit to him, right? And then he's able to sauce the thing across the ice and it leads one pass later to a goal. So that's a secondary assist. But why was it wide open on that other side? Because they came over to him. So, no, I'm not concerned that he doesn't have any primary assists. I saw some of that today. I was curious to get your take on it. But there was some some people out there just maybe tossing some stuff out there that uh, he doesn't have He'll any come. primary assists and he doesn't know how to pass. To I think that's a load of. Or yeah. shit, but to, to the to those people, I'll say they'll come. He will get primary assist because guess what? There's going to be a breakaway opportunity with someone, and someone's going to overcommit to him, and he's going to put it on a platter. Perfect tape to tape, and that other player is going to bury it, and that will be a primary assist. I guarantee it. Just wait, they'll come. So yep. That wraps up Saturday. Five two win. Uh place was electric. Uh great, great atmosphere at the UC. They're back at it on Sunday night. Uh one of those great six o'clock starts. Uh no Nico Hishi or Jack Hughes for the Devils. This is a game the Blackhawks should have had. And early on, looked pretty good. Taylor Hall again coming up uh and scoring the first goal um fairly early into this contest. And um it looked good early on, but then the Blackhawks let New Jersey creep back into this game and eventually take it over and come the end of 20 minutes there in the first period, they had the lead here, Tony. Um, I think this was, you know, it's disappointing and obviously it led to this players only meeting that we'll get into at the end of this, but this is a game in which you really saw the breakdowns defensively. And we talked about that kind of being the biggest question mark entering this year. And I think you're just seeing development in game, happen and unfortunately that leads to the puck going in the back of your net on multiple occasions yeah and i i totally agree with you this is one that i think that the hawks should have won i mean it's it's sort of uh hard to get on this team for some of these losses they seem harder on themselves uh than i feel after watching them play some of these games because 
they did jump out to what was an early lead, uh, as you mentioned, and then everything just sort of fell apart. Um, Korczynski, uh, really rough play uh, that led to a goal. Uh, you'll see that happen. We've talked about that in uh, some of our preseason shows, some of the development stuff. Um, rough game for Connor Bedard, too, a little bit there, uh, at least if you're looking at uh, some stats afterwards. But hockey in, stat in, in, card, yeah. yeah, hockey stat cards. Um, rough game for, what was it, uh, Seth Jones as yeah, well? Top, top um, pairing, yep. Just, yeah, the top pairing didn't really have it, but for all intents and purposes though, they seem to be more hard on, on themselves than I'm going to get on this one, just because these to me are the games that we expected to, to not really uh, compete in, so to speak. And what I mean by that is you're going to get your flashes. You saw your flash on, on Saturday night, just how electric this team can be, but there seems to be this problem with them crashing back down to earth. And I know that this is exactly what we're going to talk about with the players only meeting, but I'm, I'm going to jump in and say my piece on this right now. I think as a fan entering the season, that's what I expected. I'm glad they're hard on themselves, but that's exactly what I expected these pitfalls to be. I think there's some blame to go on Arvid Soderblom as well. Although really the the defense, which has been great so far this season, better than expected, had a normal night for themselves. And that just leads to a 4-2 loss to the hands of New Jersey. Yeah, I think when you're talking about specifically Kevin Korchinski there, I can see you can just see the development in action because the he's an offensive defenseman. I don't think, you know, a seventh overall pick. I don't think anybody is confused about his identity as a player. I don't think he's confused about his identity as a player. So the intention on that play is probably right for him because if he can keep that, that extends a Blackhawk shift and you're hemming the New Jersey Devils in their zone after already having defended one cycle, right? He misses that. It's a mistake in a read and in an angle there. And unfortunately, it leads the other way to a odd man rush for New Jersey. And once again, and puck in the back of your net there, it happens. But I do see like the thought process of his, you know, of his play there. And guess what? If he keeps that in and it results in a Blackhawks goal, we're talking about what a great pinch by Kevin Korczynski that was. Yep. So it's a matter of picking and choosing your spots, which he still has to learn. And, oh, I'm sorry that it's only, what, nine, ten games into the, his first season of NHL action as a, what, he's 19, 19 years old? Yeah, so that it's going to happen. That That's just my evaluation of it. So I agree. I'm not. I don't think I'm nearly as hard as they are on themselves uh, after losses like this. And, hey, I know that they talked about, you know, not uh, doing some of the things that they or whatever uh, key phrases or, uh, you know, sort of um, qualities that that they had identified internally prior to the season. They said they strayed away from them in this game, and that is why this player's meeting came to light. But I still do, even in light of that, and they're obviously we're not in the locker room, what I would give to be a fly on the wall, but we're not. I still liked some of the resilience at the end there, being able to jam in a goal late and make it interesting and even have it go down to that offside challenge to where they have a shot to tie it up in the last minute, weren't able to get it done. So sure, your efforts earlier in the game did hinder you in that regard, but it's not like they completely rolled over and gave up on it. No, they kept it interesting into the third period. I think that's sort of my measurement this year, Johnny, for, you know, are are the Blackhawks, 
developing. One of the one of the key benchmarks for me is are we within a goal or two in the third period? Are is the game interesting? Is it not what happened in Arizona? Because you're gonna get a, a handful of games. Every team in the NHL is gonna have where they get blown out. But if they are in all of these games, I think it's just more critical minutes. It's playing with intent and purpose. They're not going through motions out there. They're keeping the fan, myself, you, everybody else, engaged in the game. I thought the second period was probably some of the most boring outside of the Arizona game hockey that we watched there Sunday night. But to get back into it in the third, you've got the the challenge that gets overturned. By the way, Luke Richardson knows when the fuck you are offside. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guarantee it. He knows anytime anybody is offside, he is ready to challenge that play. Seems like he's come up uh, pretty big on some of those so far early on in the season. We'll, we'll continue to track that. But um, for all intents and purposes, though, they did get away from what I felt like was their style uh, of hockey in that second period. I think they tried to turn it on a little late. But, uh, you know, maybe they were resting on their laurels a little bit from the the big victory on uh, – on Saturday night and and felt right. that they were off to a, a good start there on Sunday. Um, I just didn't like the effort in the, in the second period, but overall from a full game standpoint, you know, two out of three ain't bad for a developing team. And and the Korchinski stuff we just talked about sort of lends itself to um, just one of those developmental moments that's going to happen to this team. Yeah. It's not, it's not the first time that it's happened. And it's not going to be the last I guarantee you that. So um, my last thought revisiting what I had said at the end of last week's show um, when we were looking at this weekend ahead. Uh, and I said, the Hawks better not come out flat in the second of a back-to-back after four days off this week, three off. They have three off now before their next game, which is Thursday against Tampa Bay. That's what I had said then. Um, I guess they didn't come out flat in terms of they scored early and they looked okay early on, but then they did kind of, like you said, I think that plays into what you said, kind of maybe resting on your laurels from it. Okay. Yeah. We're still feeling good from Saturday night. We got that early lead and then kind of sat back and didn't commit to the things that they had said that they were going to commit to at least internally. So that brings us to the players only meeting. Um, sounds like Seth Jones and Corey Perry were the ones heading this up. Tony, when you hear players only meeting, I think alarm bells go off for everybody. I know on the bulls side, go and listen to our guys over at bulls on tap. It was like crisis mode after one game into the season there. This is a much different setup when it comes to the Blackhawks, just where they are in their rebuild, in their timeline, in their, like I said, development, so to say. Uh, the, what, what, what are your thoughts on the meeting? I'll get to a couple of quotes here from Jones and Perry as well. But when you hear this and, you know, kind of just taking it all in based on what we got from reporters uh, post game last night, thoughts on the players only meeting. I like it. I, I really do. And I think, you know, this isn't the first time you've heard of this, you know, squad together, uh, sort of having like a, a reckoning that comes very quickly. I think overall what they're trying to avoid is like a four or five game skid. And you want to nip that shit in the bud right away. We we did this already, Johnny, on, on the, on the white Sox stuff uh, earlier this, this year. Um, I'd like to make it through 2023 without like a five game Blackhawks losing streak. And so I'm, I'm a, I'm a fan of the approach of let's shut this down, talk about it, hold each other accountable. Um, And and so far it's, it's paid off. Obviously they had uh, their, their hard practice um, after what was that? The Arizona game. 
um, or was that before? Uh, yeah, it was, it was right before, around there. Yeah, it was. It was, right, it, was before, it was before they went out west for that. Yeah, big so that was that was the first incident. That wasn't really a players only meeting, yeah. but it was you know coach a reinforcement pissed. of the yeah. Yes. So this is now the second sort of incident where you've seen them come out and say, "Hey, we need to be better." Um, obviously, as we had, had mentioned earlier, it's, it feels like this team is harder on themselves than some of the leeway that I've given them personally, and maybe yourself as well. I'm not sure where Ron falls into that camp, but I like that. I like that energy. I like that they're holding themselves accountable. I like that they're trying to turn these things around. Granted, they're in the, the basement right now of their division. Uh, there's really not like a clear path to the playoffs uh, or the Stanley Cup this season but they want to play respectable hockey. And that's something to be admired in my opinion. Like they don't want to identify as a bottom dwelling team. And you can see that with Seth Jones. You can see that with Corey Perry. You can see that with Nick Felino. You can see that with Connor Bedard. Um, fuck. You can see that with Peter Morazic, the way he's out there uh, making stops in critical situations sometimes. So I I'm a fan of this. Um, players only meeting, whatever, whatever they have to do to keep themselves from going on prolonged skids, uh, I think is beneficial for a fan enjoyment because you know, they're going to go out there and work hard, but B also, because I think that's an important part of the development that actually needs to take place. Talk about teaching guys how to win, teaching guys how to get out of the, the little slumps, trying new things so far with like Lucas Reichel moving to the wing, all these different little adjustments that they're making. They're playing to win hockey games. They're not trying to actively tank. And you can see that it's a different feel. Obviously they're going to lose their fair share as we've said, but my reaction to this is good. Like I'm glad that you are upset at a four, two loss on a back to back enough to hold everybody in the, in the room Talk about it as a team before you let the media in and go over what uh, you believe you need to do next time you go out onto the ice to win a hockey game. I think that should be celebrated and commended. That's my take on it. I I think um, you're spot on with the not letting things snowball here. Now let's go to the horse's mouth here. Seth Jones, what did he have to say? He said, we have a few words that we live by on this team that we came up with before the season started. So we want to live by some of those and hold each other accountable. It's not, mother effing guys and things like that but if you make a mistake your teammate should be able to tell you uh when you were wrong and vice versa more from jones we we uh, don't want to be a team that has a great moral win great victory and then dips the next game and gets lackadaisical with our play we want to be a team that can string together two three four five wins amen so i you know I think there were some people that are, you know, especially after watching a game last night where the first pairing faltered, right, defensively. And they say, well, Seth Jones isn't one to talk. He just had an abysmal game. Well, guess what? Do you want Kevin Korchinski stepping up in the room there? No, that's why these guys are wearing A's. That's why. So I I, I don't get that argument at all. There were a couple people that were, like, upset about that. Seth Jones should look in the mirror there. Guess what? I guarantee he is doing that. And that's what part of this meeting was. He happens to be one of the veteran guys that does have a letter. And I know they're not having a captain this year, so I think it makes it all the more important that they do this by committee. Shit, Corey Perry, guy that's been around the league, sure, it's only his first year in Chicago, but he's a guy that should be stepping up and talking like this, and he is. So I'm glad they're doing it. Couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. Uh, and this is this sort of goes back to, um, you know, when, when Seth Jones sort of threw himself out there for the captaincy of this team. 
right. right before the start of the season. And you go back to last year, even uh, when they were running the, uh, you know, Seth Jones knew what he signed up for, uh, you know, episodes over there on YouTube. He, he does not want to be here to lose. Um, and I, I, that's, that's commendable. That, yeah. Nothing short of it. So yeah. obviously he could have had a better game, but at the end of the day, you want to know that these guys care and yeah. they've shown a lot of care. That's right. more yeah. for some other teams that we root for Johnny. Yeah, right. Exactly. And so there is, you know, we talk a lot about on this show and on our social media about the hashtag culture of the Blackhawks. Right. And while they're developing on the ice in terms of play, actual, you know, style of play, um, guys getting acclimated to the league in many cases with all the rookies on the team, um, that culture needs to be developed too. And unfortunately you're going to take some lumps along the way to do it. So I think Corey Perry hits on it here when he says that's the brotherhood, you're not putting anyone down. That wasn't the message. It's more about being able to talk about it and figure it out as men. I love hearing that from a veteran guy like Corey Perry, and it's letting those young players know that, Hey, we're, you're going to get called out if you make your mistake or you don't, you know, you're lackadaisical on a shift or whatever, but it's not a F you to you it's just we need to be better about this and put in the work every single time we're out there whether that's practice whether that's a game in the most important situations or in a lull of a second period right sense of professionalism is really what it is and uh you know i i like that quote from perry as well i think that that uh holds true in a lot of different circumstances and uh you know we talk about setting the tone over on uh Socks on tap. That is a tone setting of the locker room uh, right there. And let's see if it pays off. Yeah. And I like that the timing of it too, because obviously, you know, it was sparked by the effort in Sunday's game. Well, guess what? Some of those things that you talked about, and I'm sure there are some X's and O's to go along with just straight up effort level uh, that come along with these. Well, they got a couple days of practice here to work on it because there's going to be another break in the schedule with, um, you know, kind of playing into the uh, title of our show here tonight, staggered Blackhawks schedule and results. We just talked about some staggered results. Tony, let's talk about a staggered schedule. Ron, our ruffle the feathers this week comes from the guy that's not on the show. And it was Ron. And he says almost a full week between games is horseshit. Get it together, NHL. I think we started on this last week, but we're at it again because where we're at right now, they just played it back to back over the weekend. And now we're off, what, three days here, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and they won't be back in action until Thursday when they visit the Tampa Bay Lightning, a little Florida swing here. But then they're off again a couple more days until Sunday and they'll play at noon, which is kind of odd to me with NFL games going yeah. on Monday, Sunday afternoon. But whatever, that's a new start year um, on Sunday. So Got some time to figure this stuff out. Tony, I think we can all uh, sit here and commiserate over the schedule here. This is brutal. Just going to like a few days here without hockey. Yeah, this is not an ideal schedule to start. And obviously, uh, Thursday night, you've got the, the Bears in action. Uh, so it's going to be split screen viewing for a lot of individuals. And then Sunday is right there smack dab in the first slate of NFL games. So uh Schedule makers did not do the Blackhawks any favors uh, with this one in terms of, you know, viewability. Uh, I, I I don't know what this is all about right now. Uh, it, it feels like we're getting, it's like stop, start. We are in right. congested, you know, Dan Ryan traffic <laughs> trying to make our way into the city. And every single time you feel like you've got, you know, the ability to get up over 30 miles an hour, you're back on the brakes. 
Um, I, I know it's going to clear itself up a little bit at some point, but man, do I hate being stuck in traffic. And I feel like I'm stuck in Blackhawks traffic right now. I think that's a perfect way to describe it because guess what? It doesn't end after this, after Sunday's game, they'll be off until Thursday again when they host Tampa Bay lightning uh, at the United center. And then they do get kind of back into a rhythm. I believe it's Saturday at Nashville, quick road trip, and then back home for their hockey fights, cancer night uh, against Buffalo. But still it's a, you know, it's stop and go. Like you said, I think that's the best way to describe it. Um, I'm just upset that we don't get to watch this team and watch Connor Bedard every night. I think I said that last week, but got to watch him every night. I wouldn't have to go and watch Vancouver and hear their terrible goal song. Right. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And that's, Man, I, I I can't wait. I love the back-to-back over the weekend. That was a, a great dose of hockey. But as I sit here on Monday, I am I, I don't know what's gonna happen for the rest of the week, dude. I, I'm yeah. I'm just dying for some sort of action. Be nice if we can get on a I, I would trade the back-to-back weekend for a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. Just give me like four games in a week. Yeah. All right. We, we got a good question from our guy, Kirk here. He says, do you think the gaps in the schedule will cause negative momentum shifts on the ice? I think you're already seeing it. Um, I would say that yes uh, to that question. I think Tony's analogy of traffic, the, the stop and go um, is hard to get yourself fully in a rhythm, right? Cause we talk about um, in all sports really, right. It takes a little bit to get going. Why, why do guys have slow Aprils in baseball? Right. And then mm-hmm. it's finally, you get back into the grind of doing that every day again, after, you know, being only playing a couple innings during spring training to start the year. So yeah, I do think it caused negative shifts in momentum. Uh, I know, you know, it's just, it is the cards that you're dealt uh, and they did have a little bit of a whirlwind to start. Um, and I think you saw them improve over that there um, with those games coming all back to back, like that win against Toronto in the six up there. I think that was a result of having momentum in your favor there. But then you come out and see uh, the breaks like this and you're not fully ready for a back to back slate yet um, after, you know, having a couple days to sort it out in between there. So I, I don't know. It's uh, I would say that, yes, does cause negative momentum shifts on the ice. Um, and unfortunately, there's not a thing that they can do about it besides doing their best to simulate game action in practice. I would I would agree with you. I will say one other thing though: the uh, the the gaps in the schedule have allowed a couple guys to get healthy. I think you brought this up earlier on the show, yep. Johnny. Very true. Um, so, uh, you know, would you trade the the schedule for you know more consistent action and maybe miss? you know, another two games of Vlasic and another three games of, of Hall. I, I don't know. I, I really don't. Um, granted, you know, we know what the compete level of this team is. I like consistent hockey as a fan, but I also like my best players uh, on my team that I root for to be on the ice. So early on, uh, I think that it's been okay. I think there's been a, a, a decent balance. It's frustrating. Don't get me wrong, but um just given the the injuries to Hall Vlasic so far early on the season, uh, and those have been two of your better players uh, yeah. so far. So I think that uh, it, it it kind of helped us a little bit in a way. Although uh, on the other wise, end, yeah, yeah personnel wise, on the other end of it though, I'd I'd root for a more consistent schedule um, for every team in the NHL to just sort of even the playing field a little bit, uh, but also not go five or six days. Sometimes it feels like without uh, your team playing, because as you said, the only way they can get through is just like simulate game action, all that other stuff. I know there's some days off in there. It, it just feels like we're going 
longer this year without hockey in stretches than we have in the past. Yep, right. And maybe part of that was due to kind of the bunch at the beginning with all their national uh, TV stations wanting to get their Connor Bedard fix early on. So I do understand that and that, you know, maybe uh, part of the byproduct of having such a generational talent on your roster. But I do agree with you personnel wise there. Um, The last note on that, since you brought that up, I was surprised that Vlasic came back. I thought that they would just give him the, you know, with this uh, staggered schedule that we're talking about here give them then the extra days here and be good to go for when they head down to Florida. Were you surprised to see him back on Sunday? I know Richardson said it was like a probability come like yeah. Friday, but I was, I was like, still I was like, man, is that looks like he got rocked pretty good uh, on that. I know Richardson said whiplash, but obviously he passed concussion protocols if he played last night. So that's good. Good news on that front. Yeah. Good news. And I think it's somewhat of the break that we have this week sort of probably lent itself into the decision to let him out there. Um, I, I was I was still sort of shocked, but you know, young kid, he obviously passed his concussion program. Why not get out there? Uh, this is you know just more development time for what's been a guy who's had a great start to the season, playing top top D pair minutes so far. Um, I don't believe he was on the top pair on Sunday though, was he, Johnny? Uh, I think he slotted down a little bit, yeah. but. Um, just been one of your most effective defensemen. I think they wanted to get him back in the lineup. We talked about it on the last show. Uh, what uh, what missing Alex Lassick can do to your team. Obviously, this wasn't a blowout um, lost by any stretch of the imagination for two. Uh, but him missing in Arizona, I really think was part of the reason that the whole decor was sort of shook up. Obviously, yep. they got through it on Saturday, but that was scoring in bunches. That was an offensive show out. Defense still had its issues. Um, so I'm sure they missed him there as well. It was good to have him back in the lineup. Um, and I'm just glad he's healthy and not going to miss any more time from there. Yeah. All right. Uh, with our what's on tap next, I know we kind of folded that in with ruffle the feathers there, but let's just talk about this opponent since we kind of were staggered here. So we'll just go one at a time. And, uh, I'm telling you right now, the Tampa Bay lightning, they're weathering Andre Vasilevsky's injury pretty damn well. They are up four to one over the Toronto Maple Leafs, um, at the end of the first period right now. They will play at uh, Montreal tomorrow, and then Thursday they'll be back home hosting the Blackhawks here. Um, when I go and look at this Lightning team, I thought maybe there'd be a dip early on to start the season. How, how do you think Thursday night will play out uh, when the Hawks team that's rested comes and plays a Lightning team that sure they'll have one day off in between, but just finishing a Canadian road trip here? You know, I don't really like this matchup for the Blackhawks. And obviously, some of the uh, the players only mean I'm going to stop myself. This team has performed very well against every team that we expected to, you know, annihilate them. Uh, and then the there's the whole, of Colorado, maybe. Yes. Uh, but that I, I kind of give that one a little bit to the fact that, you know, that was a long road trip. Uh, the third uh, home opening ceremony they had to sit through. Um, I, I can see this going very poorly for the Blackhawks, but then again, I've been surprised early on with the way that they've been able to perform against really good teams. I still don't like it though. Like I'm yeah. just, I, I don't like it at all. 
Right. It feels, doesn't it just like feel when you go and look at this like slate here and just like, oh, it's like, you know, like I said, you thought the Lightning were going to be, you know, maybe a little bit hurting to start the year, but that's just not the case. Um, there's still been playoff position if the season were to end today. I know we're still early, but um, just goes to show you how deep their group still is, even with uh, losing a few key guys, which it seems like they do every year um, due to their, you know, just uh, contract situations um, that are going on down there. But um, this feels like the start of like a brutal night in Chicago where the Hawks get like pummeled there. And then the Bears just like somehow lay an egg because they're in prime time on Thursday night. I feel like that's just in the cards. But I really hope then it's reversed. So then, oh, these teams that we expected the Hawks to not compete against, they go and somehow win like against Vegas. I was very shocked at that win um, when they handed them their first loss of the year. Um, and then even some of the other ones uh, early on in the year played Boston tough uh, in that first game out there. I know they walled in the third period of the game that we were at there, but hey, maybe playing up to the competition is what this team needs to get back to committing to their principles, Tony. Yeah, it could be. We'll see how this all shakes out on Thursday night, but I just, to me, this little road swing, I'm giving a I'm I'm giving a prediction here. I think you know, you lose in in Tampa, and uh, maybe you take care of business on Sunday afternoon in uh, in Florida's barn, and they seem to have their number at at least at home. I know it's a little bit different on the road, but we've been we've been picking these things to go this way. It's obviously going to be reversed. Yeah, sure. All right. So uh, I, I once again. Not feeling incredibly confident about it, but this group has uh, surprised us before, so it would not uh, leave it out of the question there. So that'll do it for this episode of Four Feathers Podcast. We appreciate everyone tuning in. Uh, make sure you go and subscribe at ONTAP Sportsnet on YouTube so you can drop your comments in, uh, like us on Facebook over there as well um, for getting in on the comments. X Twitter people cannot see your comments, so go over to one of those two platforms. And as always, check out ONTAPSportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. And you can find us on social media at Four Feathers Pod and at ONTAP Sportsnet. All right, until next time, let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks.